You're listening to the Startup Finance Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show entirely focused on helping you to build a financially fit and fundable business. On this show, we connect you with finance aficionados to impart their expertise to help your business grow. The Startup Finance Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe to this Startup Finance Podcast through iTunes and Google Play Music. This podcast is presented in partnership with MasterCard, a technology company in the global payments industry. MasterCard's global payments processing network connects consumers, financial institutions, merchants, governments in more than 210 countries and territories. MasterCard products and solutions make everyday commerce activities such as shopping, traveling, running a business, and even managing your finances easier, more secure, and more efficient. I am your host, Dr. Sean Wise, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Ryerson University. I bring more than 19 years' experience in seed investing, including five seasons spent supporting CBC's Dragon's Den. I've published dozens of articles for Profit, Inc., and even Canadian Business, as well as several best-selling books on venture capital, entrepreneurship, and pitching ideas. Want to connect with me after this podcast? Join me at 100stepstostartup.com. We're thrilled to have an actual fraud expert on the show today. Guy Charpentier is the manager of customer fraud management at MasterCard. His day-to-day involves protecting MasterCard's customers against global security breaches while following the latest fraud trends. Working with issuers, acquirers, merchants, and other third parties, Guy identifies risk vulnerabilities and helps them to identify solutions, leveraging best practices and industry-leading MasterCard risk products. Guy is also the regional lead for the MasterCard Global Risk Management Program. In this capacity, he performs in-depth reviews of both customer and third-party risk management practices. The objective of these reviews is to ensure the safety and the security of the MasterCard payment network and all the participants to ensure that they have safe profitable growth. On today's Startup Finance Podcast, we'll talk to Guy about his fight against fraud and how he's protecting small businesses. Guy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be There's here. So much I want to ask you about. Everybody is talking fraud, online, uh, data issues, but I want to ask you, we've only got a half hour together today. What is it you would like our listeners to walk away with? Well, for me, the number one thing that I'd, I'd like our listeners to take away from the webinar is really to feel empowered. Um, you know, they, as as business owners, have a role to, to play in protecting their business. And even though criminals can be clever, um, you know, quite clever, uh, they have, you know, they are, in fact, the authorities on their own business. Um, they have the tools within themselves to be able to, um, you know, establish what is or is not uh, legitimate and and what's not, you know, is or is not good. So, you know, I think that 
them being empowered and, and realizing that they have within themselves the tools already. That's that's first. Um, the second thing that I'd like them to take away is really a better understanding of fraud uh, and fraud risk in general and, and some of the common scams that are out there in, in particular. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, one of the number one reasons that uh, fraud is successful, it, it isn't because of how clever the criminals are or, or even really how sophisticated the scams are. Um, typically, it's because it's new to the victim. So, that, you know, that's a, that's a key reason why a fraud is, is absolutely uh, successful. So, you know, let's dive down deep now. Are there are there different general categories or types of frauds and breaches that our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I think that uh, the for for our listeners, understanding very common types, you know, one of the most common that is out there is really data breaches. And, you know, data breach isn't is a situation that is not necessarily um you know, a direct financial loss to to anyone um, that is breached, but it is certainly a significant loss later on when when some of the um, the impacts financial wise, as far as you know, those that have been injured by the the data that was stolen from from you, uh, start come call start coming to call. Um, you know, so that's one type. Card skimming, that's probably more of a, a retail um, type phenomenon. And it involves terminal tampering and, and effectively small businesses um, being, uh, you know, the holders of a, a point of sale terminal uh, would have that device tampered by a criminal, uh, obviously unbeknownst to them. And then that terminal then becomes the means by which the, the criminals are, are capturing card information. So there's a lot of different ways that that can be that can happen, but it's something that it's it's a you know an impact to to the those that are in the the card present and, and brick and mortar space. Uh, other things that are quite common things like account testing. So if you're an online merchant, um, one of the ways that you can experience fraud is is by having criminals. Uh, appropriate your website to test the account information that they've obtained through things like data breaches or even card skimming. Um, and, and the testing is really not so much related to identifying how much available credit is on a card, but more in line with identifying other pieces of information about the card, whether it be the, the three-digit code, the CVC2 number on the back of the card, or even the expiry date of the card itself is they're looking to validate that in order to make that, that card information that they have, um, usable, um, other types of fraud that, that you, that, that entrepreneurs might still face and, and see would be things like phishing. Um, everybody can probably think of scenarios where there's, uh, they've received a, an email that purports to be all kinds of different things up to and including potentially your bank asking you to validate um, your credentials by clicking on something. Um, you know, so that's the, the type of fraud that uh, certainly uh, entrepreneurs and uh, both as business people and as individuals would end up facing uh, other things, obviously malware uh, that is often delivered in much the same way as phishing. Um, that's a you know that's where you're you're clicking on a link and it's it's then infecting uh, your computer uh, and then it's seeking out uh, what's available through your computer 
and, and that might be card information, it might be personal information, it might be uh, business information and documents and your trade secrets and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, again, that's kind of uh, a thing that a lot would see. Traditionally, people look at at fraud and they think of things like counterfeit cards um, or, you know, cards that are being stolen and then used or lost and, and then being used. Those are still significant, but it's something that, um, you know, is is more and more um, becoming less of an issue and, and you know, card not present and, and, you know, data breaches and things like that are much, much more common now. Um, now, there's a couple of frauds that are very specific that I think um, I'd, I'd like our listeners to understand. And, and in hindsight, almost everybody would agree that it doesn't make much sense. But things like money transfer frauds where um, you would receive a, a, a phone call, an email, or you know, potentially a connection into your website uh, from somebody wanting to make purchases. And the the types of business that can be vulnerable are enormous. I've seen hotels, I've seen um, flower shops and, and things like that. Um, effectively, the, the point is to have you um, do a transaction and then send back to um, typically through wire transfers and things like that, the proceeds of those sales uh, for various different reasons back to the the purported customer. So it might be things like pay for the shipping, pay for the insurance. Uh, oh, wait, I changed my mind. I don't want 10,000 grommets. I want 5,000 grommets. Or in addition to this particular product, I need another product that I can't buy here and you're going to need to buy for me. So, you know, take the card and, and use it and, and anything that's that's residual send back to me. Um, so it's all, those are, are what we call money, money transfers. Um, and that can impact unbelievably both online and retail merchants. Um, you know, either can become wow. victim to that type For of, sure. that type of, of scam. And oftentimes they become victim because they misunderstand what the risk is and what their role is. Uh, many of them believe that once an authorization is granted, that it's somehow securing the transaction. And it really isn't. It's just simply saying to them that the card you've provided here, um, is, is not currently status in any way that would prevent the transaction and that it has sufficient mm -hmm. funds available mm -hmm. to be able to support the transaction amount. Um, it's really a mechanism to enable the card issuers to manage their accounts so that they, they manage them in the limits that they've set. It's not about uh, authenticating the transaction in any way, but a lot of merchants misunderstand that, um, it, which leads them into, you know, taking risks that they really shouldn't that end up resulting in losses. Um, and, you know, the the other types of things, the big sale, the rush sale, the schemes that, that come with that, um, again, is a variation that that really typically plays upon the, the entrepreneur, the merchant's um, misunderstanding of what the risks are in the system. Uh, so and so then, if it sounds odd, it, it, it definitely is worth checking out. That's what I'm taking away from this long oh, list. Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. And then, you know, things, the, the last couple that are, are more along the lines of uh, retail brick and mortar would be things like terminal manipulation, um, where, 
an individual will come in and will effectively access the terminal to bypass the authorization or potentially even to issue themselves refunds on, on cards that they have. Um, and that really comes from, you know, the vulnerability of that wow. is really from a lack of, of realization that really you should be keeping control of the point of sale um, and it shouldn't be abandoned. Uh, although in today's day and age where most customers uh, enter their card and they're pinned directly into the terminal themselves, there's been an idea that has grown within the merchant community that it's not only right, but it's the honorable thing to do to give them privacy. Well, you know, not looking at them entering their pin is one thing. Um, completely abandoning the point of sale, enabling them to, you know, basically key enter, uh, you know, change the, the terminal settings and key enter transactions, which can take, you know, hundreds of keystrokes. Well, that's another thing, right? Absolutely. And then the, the last would really be, um, you know, employee manipulation and or even collusion. Um, you know, so the manipulation aspect, one of them would be things like the, you know, the, the authorization letter. Um, mm -hmm. The other would be um, an individual like perhaps myself, somebody like myself going in, presenting themselves as knowledgeable and saying, hey, listen, you don't have to swipe the card. You know, you, you don't have to dip that card. You don't have to swipe it. You just you just key enter it because that's the way, you know, that's, uh, that's the way it should be done. And, you know, convincing your employee that, Hey, it's all good. It's all nice. And some of these guys go in dressed up in suits and looking very official. And the employee goes, well, they must know, uh, you know, in Absolutely. other situations, it's the collusion that happens where they, they will actually collude with the it. employee. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all common risks that uh, that are faced by by many businesses, and I think that you know understanding that and and having you know an eye to those types of risks when you're designing how you accept cards, whether you in fact even accept some sales, right? If somebody comes in and says to you, "I think that you you know I'd like to buy these." 20 television sets and uh you know you don't need to to dip that card you don't need to do anything but enter it in and and oh by the way i've got an approval code that you can use for you know you don't need to get one i've got one here well knowing that that's potentially a scam that might govern whether or not you go forward with that transaction better to lose the sale than to get caught up in a fraud well and and caught up in a fraud and lose the money that comes from it. Um, you know, small businesses in particular, I've seen many that, that they don't survive being hit by a fraud. You know, $10,000 for a startup business, um, that's a that's a massive amount. That can be a non-recoverable amount. It's life or you know, death. That's a, yeah, effectively, right? Absolutely. And I think that's why the police and, and uh, other authorities try to publish this information so that people can, can get up to speed. Now, you talk about internal tools. A lot of our listeners are small businesses, you know, running Shopify storefronts. What role does small business have? You talked about they're the best uh, advocates and knowledge about what is fraud for them. Can you delve into that a little bit? If you're running a, a website, if you're running a Shopify storefront, what role does that store owner, that founder have in the overall fraud protection landscape? 
Um, well, effectively, they're going to, to know what is or is not normal within the context of, of the business and the type of service that they're, they're providing to, to customers. So, you know, a lot of times people tend to discount, um, you know, their own common sense. They, they can tell when somebody comes uh, to, to purchase something from their site, whether that seems to be normal. Are they buying normal quantities? Are they um, asking for delivery options that are normal? Are they kind of pushing the boundaries? These are, these are things that in, in kind of a, um, you know, a, a post-mortem sense, people like myself, when we're looking at fraud-ish incidents that have happened, um, will be going through it with, with the, the individual and, and they'll admit, you know what, it did seem kind of odd. Uh, but So you're talking about, you know, if you have a website that maybe sells a thousand units a day and all of a sudden you get an order for a hundred thousand, that right. should raise at least red flags to ask more questions. Yeah, it could I, just be a really good sale. It, it could be. Um, but then when you layer on top of that, the fact that um, they would like to have it delivered to a, you know, a, a, a locale or potentially even have somebody pick up the, the, the things, um, they start asking for different uh, types of, of things that seem a little unusual, like special delivery uh, that gets paid for uh, by you because they have the inability to pay the, their, their chosen shipper um, through, uh, you know, effectively through a credit card because they, they don't accept it. So it's really a combination of things that, that yeah. end up uh, going on. And like I said, in a postmortem sense, oftentimes when we're looking at situations afterwards and we're, we're looking at it with the, the individuals that have been victimized, they will tell us, yeah, it seemed unusual. It seemed very um, suspicious. But I discounted that. I didn't. I, I didn't act on that. I didn't, you know, take note of it in, in any greater way than I than I otherwise could, because I thought one, you know, I misunderstood what I would, what I, what protections I was getting from from those that I was dealing with, and two, you thought maybe fraud wasn't going to be something that impacts you because, well, that's that that hits the big merchants that, you know. I'm a small target. Nobody wants to, to, you know, nobody will go out of their way to victimize me because I'm just well, not it, that it, large. I want to ask you about some of these types of frauds, but it sounds to me that what you're suggesting is the first line of defense is common sense. And that if you're an online retailer, then you should carve out in your weekly schedule uh, a daily check of your transactions, a weekly check, just to see if there's any outliers. Am I hearing you correct that, that that's something people should be doing every day? Every day and pretty much in every transaction, they should, in fact, be applying that that sort of rational, normal yardstick. And when things aren't normal, um, that's when, you know, greater questions should be should be asked. And, and you know, there should be a little bit more digging that goes into to those types of, of situations than you might otherwise for the day to day with the customer that you always see. So I think that's really interesting. You know, what are the types of fraud or security breaches Canadian small businesses can fall prey to when doing business? You know, what are the most common things that you see? Okay. And, and you know, this is the, the question that I think most will find the, the most interesting. Um, 
you know, it's also a, a question that um, can lead some business people to to shake their head in in awe and be left wondering, you know, if they do truly have the ability to protect themselves. So I, I'll frequently hear comments, uh, things like the the criminals themselves are so clever, or it's impossible to stop them, or or what types of of things can can I do? And you know, and or I'll, I'll get pushback from people going, well, I'm not a cybercrime expert. I I don't have the skills or, or the knowledge. Um, so it's it's you know that's kind of uh, the the main question. If you look at um, this type of uh, you know this type of uh, or if you look at this question, um, the tactics, the types of frauds, um, even the the sort of the scams that are out there, they can be uh, uh, you know an absolute dizzying array of of variations that are out there. And it for a small business person, it's important to kind of keep in mind the basics. And and the basics of any fraud are really that you know what is it that the criminals want? Well, the criminals want to you know something that they have that they value that's their target um and you know the business has something that they value that's how they come together that's how fraud works something of value and and you've got it so they you know they will effectively look for those scenarios where they have something that is of value and they'll look for the opportunity that's the easiest for them to get at so they're not looking at earning any awards for being the most innovative criminal, they're looking for the easiest path. And what are those easy paths? I mean, what kind of fraud are we talking about? People who order products and use false payment information or people who try to hack into your database to get your customer information. You know, if we had to line up the number one, the number two, the number three, what sort of frauds or security breaches are affecting most Canadian small businesses? Well, it really depends on what type of business you're you're talking about. Um, Let's talk you know, about online uh, e-commerce. Online e-commerce businesses, you know, two different types: cards, card information. Um, they're looking for personally identifiable information, both yours and your customers. Um, they're looking for potentially business documents, trade secrets, types of things like that. That's done a lot through breaches. Um, you know, so those types of things, uh, as well, they're looking at um, utilizing or, or availing themselves of the anonymity that the internet provides them to get products and services from you, um, obviously through fraudulent means. So those are kind of the the most common types of of scenarios that, as an online merchant, that you're going to to encounter. Uh, now you're talking about online merchants, but but fraud and and issues like this they've existed before online, the brick and mortar stores of the old days. But the the the, the approach may be different. Absolutely. So can you speak to the different risks associated with sort of uh, your end of the processing with a brick and mortar store or with an online business? Yeah. So the though the the target can be similar for um, a brick and mortar store, it's the the means of exploitation tend to be relatively different. Um, for as long as a, a a brick and mortar business owner is sticking to um, the the methods of of accepting payment uh, that they've been set up for. In other words, card present, uh, and in Canada in particular, with the card being dipped and and the individual entering their PIN number to to validate themselves and and to authorize the the transaction itself, you know, as long as they're doing that, 
fraud could happen within their their brick and mortar location, but typically then the the liability for that type of transaction rests with um, the card issuer as opposed to the the merchant themselves. Uh, so they might get fraud. Um, People that have have made false or fraudulent applications uh, may come, and and those have resulted in in cards being issued to the criminals. They may come and try to shop at the store, but it's not going to result in a loss to to the individual merchant uh, themselves. Uh, could be things like cards that are stolen in the mail stream. It could be things that. Um, are the result of somebody taking over uh, somebody else's account through various means. That type of fraud can continue to happen, um, but from and does continue to happen at at the the brick and mortar face to face type merchants. But it is more in line with um, you know where they tend to to experience the fraud and and have the financial loss that comes with it is typically where they stray away from uh, those prescribed means of accepting the card and they start to do th- do things like um, accepting the the card over the telephone. Um, and then effectively key entering the the transaction. They take um, orders from from people that have sent them emails, or um, they allow their themselves and or their staff allows themselves to uh, be directed in how to accept the card through things like um, fraud or sort of direction letters that sometimes criminals still to this day use where they come in purporting to be uh, not the customer, but here's a letter from them saying that I can use their card. Wow. Uh, And, you know, the, the individuals in, in the stores um, will size up the scenario and go, well, okay, unusual, but let's see if I, if I let this transaction go through, you know, then, then uh, did I get an authorization? Because they they'll misunderstand the the means and the purpose of an authorization. So something like that, um, when they stray out of the means that they've been set up to do uh, to accept cards, that's where they start to take on the liability. Am I understanding you correctly that uh, the real liability comes not from the fraud? but from your allowing it to occur, meaning if I set up my, my payment structure with your organization and I do the steps that you tell me to, you know, put the card into a machine, put in the PIN number, then the liability goes to you, not the entrepreneurs. Is there a rule or a benchmark as when someone can understand when it's on them and when it's on you? Right. So in general, uh, the responsibility um, for that a merchant must follow are outlined uh, within their agreements uh, that they have with their their processor or their acquirer. So, in Canada, uh, example would be uh, Moneris. Uh, that is out there that that processes the transactions. So they would engage with them. They would have a contract with them. And in that contract, it specifies the means by which they're supposed to um, effectively uh, conduct transactions. And in that, um, it details what their, their responsibilities are. So if they follow that in a card present environment, 
they are in fact not responsible for anything beyond that because effectively the customer um, is authenticating themselves through their their pin or through the selected means that that they have with their bank and the merchant as long as they're following the the protocol on how to accept that's that's the the authentication that they need to ensure that um, they're doing it right and that they get paid and that there's no dispute that comes back on them. If that's So stay within the prescribed manner that's right. and you're fine. Start to go outside of those boundaries, like taking orders over right. the phone, even though you're not set up in that manner, you may uh, be switching that liability and making yourself on the hook. So bottom line, the, the responsibility to authenticate a customer is going to always be a responsibility okay. of the merchant. Um, you know, and that's kind of important when you think about the the online space. Um, you can't authenticate a customer online in the same fashion that you would um, with regards to a, a a card present. Like, there's just no opportunity for you to have them, you know, enter a card um, and have them, you know, uh, do a, a transaction in the same fashion as you would on in in a card present with the customer in front of you. So. A failure in the online space to authenticate the customer or, you know, not using the tools that are out there and available, things like 3DS, uh, MasterCard's version of that is is called secure code and soon to be identity check, um, you know, then an error or a failure in authenticating the the customer is then unfortunately responsibility of the merchant and any losses that result as a you know that come from that end up being the the merchant's responsibility well, and i think that's it's one of those things that the better you know the more closely you'll follow those rules so yeah, let's put who's res- let's put who's responsible aside and liable because it's still upsetting the entrepreneur has built their business it's it's terribly for some people it's very offensive uh, to be attacked this way to have fraud on you they take it very personally you've got a a wide berth of experience. So when a customer comes to you after being a victim of fraud, what's the first thing that you like to tell them? Well, I, the first thing that I, I, I'd like them to, I'd like to understand or tell them is, do you understand what happened? Uh, because, you know, oftentimes they understand the liability part. They understand that it's not fair um, and that they're going to be out some money, but do they actually understand what happened? What created this situation in in the very first place? So, in the context of that, it's you know, there's also you'd find is there anything that they can do now, um, you know, that that would enable them to uh, to shift liability or or get out of being liable uh, for the transaction itself? So, it's really the very first thing is do you understand even what happened? Because frankly, a lot of times the case is no, they don't. They, they don't absolutely they don't without really, understanding that how do you solve yeah. it and and then the second thing you know so liability aside and and things like that once you get past that do you really understand it is you know have you addressed that vulnerability uh, because the way in which the you know credit card fraud and and fraud in general works is that if a criminal finds a vulnerability they will continue to exploit it again and again and again and again and that lesson that you've you've paid for is going to become you know 
two, three, 10, 20 times more expensive because they're going to keep on coming back because they're successful. So it's really important. Have, have they addressed the vulnerability? Um, and then the last thing is, is really, have you learned everything you can from the incident? Um, because like I said, fraud losses to me are like a lesson that you've paid for you know, an education that you've paid for. And you're not going to get your value out of the education if you don't take out of that experience everything that you possibly can, whether it's, you know, shoring up the way in which you accept cards or it's it's looking at investing in tools that are designed specifically to to manage the risk in your chosen line of sales or in your, your chosen channel. And I think that's uh, that's something that people need to be front of mind of. A lot of people don't realize the depth to which fraud and online fraud can affect entrepreneurs. So generally speaking, what are the numbers or stats behind this? Well, and this is one of the things that uh, if you look at fraud in general, um, in in the payment space, in the MasterCard payment network, you know, we can say that the level of fraud, though any level of fraud is unacceptable is actually quite low. And, and, you know, in the years of experience that I've had in the industry, there are a lot of, of businesses that are out there that will never, ever face fraud. They just don't. It's not a, it's not a part of their world. It's something that it's just not impacting them. Um, having said that, you know, somebody like me, obviously, I think that it's, it's a huge issue. I live and breathe it. I, every day I'm, I'm in the, the issue of fraud and dealing with all the ramifications from it. Um, the, the thing that I'd say is that fraud goes where, um, there is an opportunity. So fraudsters are, are very good at seeking out, uh, situations where, um, you know, there's there's a desirable product. If there's a an electronic that can be um, that is being sold by a merchant that can then be you know purchased and resold quite easily on on auction sites or or other types of things, then guaranteed they're going to be targeted. Um, so with those types of businesses, if they're not investing in in the tools to be able to protect themselves, if they're not making themselves aware of the types of, of fraud scams that are out there, then for sure they're going to be victimized. Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, and, you know, so as a result, the level of fraud for them is going to be extraordinarily high. No, I can see that. I often think of fraud protection as very much like the fire alarm in your house. You want it there in the rare case that you need it, but if you don't have it there when you need it, the ramifications are incredible. Yeah. So try to make sure you're up to speed. Try to make sure there's batteries in your fire, uh, your fire detector system. So with that in mind, you talk about tools. So what are the best ways entrepreneurs can protect their business right from the get-go? So it really depends as far as, um, I guess, yeah, I mean, it, it really depends on the type of, of segment that you're in. If you're a brick and mortar business, uh, you know, how do you protect yourself? Well, it, the very first way that you, you'd end up protecting yourself is to ensure that you have technology like a chip uh, and pin capable device in your, in your business. Not a hard or high threshold right now because basically that's the standard of, of card acceptance in, in, in the, the locations that uh, are 
that is being put out there right now today by all of the the different processors and acquirers. So that's the first step. The second step is really just simply uh, beyond that, uh, ensuring that you have a clear understanding of, of what it is that is expected of you when you are accepting a card. So we mentioned just before how liability comes more in brick and mortar when you stray away from accepting the card in the prescribed manner, right? That's when the liability comes through. So mm-hmm. understanding that that there is risk when you go to accept a card over the telephone and you key enter that transaction into the, the device, or that there's risk that comes to you when, hey, the card can't be dipped and it can't, well, can no longer be swiped. So I'm going to simply key enter this particular transaction. Well, you know, the, there needs to be that understanding. Um, equally, you know, for most, for a lot of businesses, it's more than just them that that have uh, the responsibility to accept payment from customers. It could be staff. Um, so, you know, great for them to understand that there's risk that comes from doing different things when you're accepting payments. Uh, but making sure that everybody in the company that has a role to play in accepting payments has that same understanding. Because left to... You know, staff left to their own devices in a situation where it's make the sale and serve the customer or do something different is probably going to make the sale and serve the customer. And and criminals take advantage of that for sure. Um, So it's really a matter of making sure that your staff has that same level of understanding and that they're not, in fact, introducing risk and losses into your business because they don't get the risk that that is is there that you yourself get and i think that's that's really important to keep top of mind yeah so let's talk about moving away from the start so companies want to scale they you know they want to find a product that fits the market they want to find a low-cost channel and whether they're a software as a service business or a SaaS company or whether they're e-commerce or some variation thereof are there different or more opportunities for fraud as you scale up or does that allow you to have a bigger data pool so that you can sort of uh, be even more intelligent about, about how to deal with it and more importantly how can leaders ensure the right safety nets are implemented as they go from a, a small business to a scaling startup right so scaling startup the larger you get the absolutely the more likely it is that you're going to encounter and, and be targeted for fraud you know larger scale just means larger profile more people more business opportunities new markets uh, potentially new products all, all of those things so all of that um, you know carries with it new risks new uh, you know new things that could potentially go wrong and if it's not, addressed and incorporated within the, within the development scope. Like if you're not incorporating risk awareness and, and management in your development plans, then for sure you're going to get slammed with, with fraud and, and losses that come with it. Um, you know, how do you make sure from a, uh, you know, as a leader of a company, as, as the entrepreneur, how do you make sure that you have the right safety net? Well, you maintain the same vigilance that you had when it was just you. You know, it, it's it's your company. You make sure that everyone, you know, that there is that vigilance to make sure that risks are are identified and addressed throughout. Um, and and really, 
you ensure that everyone within the organization has that same view. It's really about developing a corporate or company culture around, you know, managing risk and, and, and avoiding it, really. Um, and, and, you know, that really leads into something that, that I'd say is, is more like, you know, you design by, you, you, you secure processes, you secure your company by design, not by accident, and, and certainly not by, you know, response to an unfortunate loss. You, you, you started out. You do it by the original way. How can we operate efficiently in this yeah, uh, manner? You know, and, and you make the outcome, which you're desiring, which is to avoid losses from fraud. You make that as an objective rather than a, that's something that you, you've managed to attain through luck. Absolutely. You know, luck happens the more prepared you are. Yeah. Or you, yeah. you think things ahead. So from a high level, what is MasterCard doing to help entrepreneurs with their, their keeping their business safe? Well, from a, from a MasterCard standpoint, we, uh, we work through our customers, which is the card issuers, the acquirers, and, and things like that. What we focus on is, is to make our network um, more safe, more secure, and, and and balancing it at this point in time with making it more convenient and easy to use because that's the conundrum that that everyone within business faces is that everybody wants to have the most safe, the most secure uh, process that there can be whilst at the same time being easy to deal with and, and cool and fun and, and all those types of things that have their customers coming back. You want to make sure that your customers have the best experience. Um, and that's kind of the, 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 the balance that you have to try to find. So we're, we're looking to do that. And we're, you know, as I mentioned, we're looking to, to secure our processes by design. And we do that based on uh, the pillars, you know, three pillars that uh, are underlying this whole concept is really, you know, having tools that prevent fraud in the first place, securing our assets, helping to secure the assets of those participating in the network against fraud and cyber attacks and, and things like that. And that's through things like MasterCard Safety Net, where we're, we've got a, a network tool that's in place that looks for um, high incident frauds where really the these are, are network type level events that they're victimizing somebody out there. And we're looking for those types of things and we've got that particular system in place to deal with that. We also have things like the early detection system uh, that we've introduced that um, will take and look for accounts that have been compromised in data breaches and proactively look for those and identify them, taking them out of the, the mix, uh, you know, earlier as opposed to waiting for them to be exploited. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that is helping to prevent and, and secure our, our assets and the assets of, of businesses and everywhere. We're also looking at uh, detection products and, and services. And, and really that's about giving those participants within the system, issuers, acquirers, merchants, everyone, 
the ability to to be able to to detect fraud much more quickly. So that's through things like um, our fraud scoring engines and uh, other things that like uh, our decision intelligence products, which enable uh, those in particular our issuers to have a clearer view of what is normal and what's not normal, giving them the ability to more precisely differentiate between good and bad transactions. What that means to, to merchants especially online merchants, is that the issuers are much more specific in how they address risk and they're not going to be declining things that could in fact be good transactions. So, you know, that makes the experience for merchants a little bit more safe, a little bit more secure and a little less friction, obviously. And then, you know, lastly, we're we're kind of underlying all of that with um, the experience. You know, making sure that the products and services that we're putting out into the market are are not creating friction, that they're not creating negative customer experiences. And customer, we define that by, you know, all parties to the MasterCard payment network, whether that be a merchant or a cardholder or even, you know, from our standpoint, an issuer and, a, and an acquirer. Uh, those products are things that, you know, like Identity Check, which I, I alluded to, which is the successor to Secure Code, which is built on the, the 3DS model uh, that is enabling customers to uh, validate and secure online transactions. It's through things that, that build into that, like facial recognition, uh, fingerprint, uh, and, and other types of biometrics, whether it be, you know, your, your voice uh, could be... Uh, um, you know your heartbeat. It could be any variation that. Uh, yeah, I the just world saw one that was about. on typing. How you type in your password, the speed at which in between each character. They're using amazing things these days. Yeah, well, and, and that's a you know I'm glad that you raised that. That's uh, actually one of the 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 strong proponents of that is a, a new member of the MasterCard family by the name of New Data that's located out in, in uh, Vancouver that has developed that type of technology uh, that, you know, that they'll call by different names. Some of the, sometimes it's, it's things like behavioral biometrics. Um, other times it's, it's behavioral uh, authentication, but effectively it's, it's enabling them to provide merchants with the ability to differentiate between, you know, at a very high level, differentiate between me and a bot. You know, how does a bot behave versus me? And, and then further, um, enabling merchants to differentiate between, well, he's, he's right-handed. And this guy here is clumsy left-handed. That's weird. Um, you know, but it, and that gets back to your original point. It's the outlier, the weird, the not within the boundaries of normality. That is usually a good sign that something untowards may be going on. Yeah, And I mean, the, this type of technology is where the world is, is going more and more, um, people, you and I want to shop online because that's where you know, the convenience is, that's where the, the cooler products and services can, can come from. So it's a huge trend. Everybody wants to be there. Entrepreneurs obviously want to cash in on that. They want to be there too. Um, and it's, it's really about being, if you're there, be there on purpose and, and set up for the risks that are out there. You know, that criminals are going to, uh, online as fast, if not faster than, than everybody else. So if you're going to set up your shingle out on the, the internet, 
be ready for that and design your business to be able to deal with those types of risks. Spend the time early on um, understanding the risk. So when you're developing your 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 business plan, uh, bake into it the 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 controls and the security that you need to be able to deal with the risk that that's out there. At least that way you'll be able to, you know, prevent the the slow ones <laughs> from getting you, uh, you know, at least you'll be able to, to stay ahead of the curve. And like I said before, criminals aren't out there to earn the, uh, the equivalent of an Academy Award for the most innovative fraud. They're basically doing what works for the least amount of effort. And you want to make well, sure that you're not the guy that's the least amount of effort. Well, you're definitely not uh, the least amount of value. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time. I want to I want to leave you with one question, and if that's okay. We've touched upon a lot of things. You have deep knowledge of this industry, as one would expect. Where does the regular entrepreneur go for a starting point? Could you, could you direct us? Is there a MasterCard, uh, so you want to shop online or so you want to sell online? Where would you advise your own customers as they turn their mind to this issue so that they can come in and, and have that idea of secure by design by knowing what's available. Is there a, a, is there a place that, that even the most uh, innocent and naive uh, e-commerce people can start with so they're not overwhelmed? Yeah. And it, you know, that's, that's a good, good question. I think that, you know, for MasterCard specifically, yes, we have a, a ton of, of uh, information that you can have by just going into the, the MasterCard uh, website. You know, there's a lot of information that's available. But having said that, for an entrepreneur, I'd say the most accessible and easiest way to to kind of get into this is really they need a, a payment processor, an acquirer, to start accepting transactions. Uh, start with them. And in fact, all of them uh, offer and oftentimes resell MasterCard products directly to, to the merchants. So mm -hmm. effectively, I would say start with, with them. Uh, many of them have good resources available to indoctrinate you to not only you know have products and, and services available, but also to explain to you why there is those products and services out there, right? Uh, and which gives you the context. Which gives you the context and enables you to benefit from their knowledge as opposed to having to earn the knowledge through adverse experience. Yeah, I've, I've always thought that the best way to learn is to have somebody who's learned it tell me as opposed mm -hmm. to having to suffer mm -hmm. that myself. Right. My mom in her infinite wisdom used to say, you can learn from school or you can learn from others or you can learn from the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I learned that fire was hot for my brother. He touched it. Great. That's the way I'd like to learn. Is Well, Guy, we've actually learned a lot from you and we haven't been burnt. So I'm actually very happy. My name is Dr. Sean Wise and we've been talking to the manager of customer fraud management at MasterCard. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to providing entrepreneurs with advice and experiences on startup finance. Want to access more resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca to gain access to support, resources, and events. And be sure while you're there to check out all the other original Startup Canada podcast series on the Startup Canada 
Podcast Network.